My name is Dr. Nate Shannock. And my name is Merrick Egber. This is the official podcast of the Els for Autism Foundation for autism. We call our podcast this because it's a play on our foundation's name. And Merrick and I are both terrible golfers. But we love how golf has become such a transformative tool to helping people with autism. When I'm not part of the podcast, I'm a member of the growing research team. And when I'm not part of the podcast, I'm an administrative assistant filling in the gaps of each department like Lou. I'm also autistic. This is our 28th episode of the podcast, Celebrating Excellence in Autism with Greg Connors, our rec coordinator, and Adam Jones, our advisory board member. Uh, what we hope to do is to present news and updates about our foundation, interviews or feature stories that play a big role with us and with the community as a whole. Speaking of which, we also have our Today in the World of Autism segment, where we post the news and current events reflective of the world we live in today. Also, check our show notes for websites, resources, and other groovy things we would like to have on the written record for all of you four autism fans. Our first segment is about the news and updates about the foundation. Tune into episode 27 to listen to our interviews with advisory board member and fundraising mind Connor B. Sturgis and Shelly Hedge, our controller and proud autism mom. They talk about their love for the autism community, how to live a successful lifestyle post high school and living in the moment. I also decided to profile an autism dad and a dad with autism to give two different but similar perspectives. Make sure to also listen to the rest of the program to get an idea of what we were doing as a foundation during that time and learn something new about the autism community for our Today in the World of Autism segment. So this month is when we will start soliciting Autism Spectrum Award nominations. Because of it, I have also written an overview of the Autism Spectrum Award, the benefits of receiving it, and a call to action for nominations. Now, some of you may be asking about what the Autism Spectrum Award is. Every year since 2015, we have received nominations for individuals with autism who, with their unique strengths and talents, have conveyed virtue and spirit in their lives that impact others. It makes us happy to eventually present the person with the most votes, a trophy, for the Autism Spectrum Award, which we celebrate at the grand finale event held as the greatest ceremony of the year where winners get to meet the Ells family and get to partake in the festivities around the grand finale. Plus, any runner gets an automatic invitation to join our advisory board. Our second interview for the podcast is Adam Jones, who won the 2018 Autism Spectrum Award. If curious, please listen to his interview. And our last uh, news and update is that summer camp is ending Shortly after the recording of the broadcast, our annual summer camp will end. I'm pretty sure that all the campers, staffers, and volunteers have been having so much fun during the interim. One of our guests for our interview segment is Greg Connors. You can tell everyone more about it. All right, everyone. So here's our slate of our two guests that we have for our program uh, today. And the first one I'd like to introduce um his name is greg connors and he's our recreation coordinator it may surprise listeners to know that his background is actually in studying and teaching english which may have also helped him while he was studying improvisation at the second city theater in chicago my co-host hometown for two years 
It does make me think if that improvisational experience could help develop communication and social skills within our clientele. He also was captain of the rowing team at Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts, but I cannot see a game on rowing program. As we get past the ancient times of the 2000s, he earned his master's in special education, which helped him early on as a case manager and a small group intervention teacher, and also worked at an ed tech startup in the disability employment space. Being our rec coordinator has allowed them to remain passionate about sports, fitness, and yoga, and to stay active while productively encouraging the mind and body to remain engaged through the many programs he supervises. And for all dog lovers, he has a five-year-old husky mix named Eddie, whom I hope was named after Eddie Munster of the Munsters TV family. So I'd like to welcome Greg Connors to the program. Wow, thank you very much, Merrick. That was terrific. What an intro. It's good to be yeah. with you guys today. It's great to have you, Greg. We're very excited about the work you're doing with the foundation and, and really helping the rec programs to, to excel at a new level. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, it's, it's about just shy of six months. And, um, you know, there was much to learn and, and uh, still much to, you know, improve upon. Um, and uh, I'm just excited to be part of the team, so. Absolutely. So first off, what recreational programs are currently being offered at the L Center of Excellence? And are there any additional ones you'd like to add in the future? So right now, um, I think when, when most people think of, you know, recreation, they think of some activities that would fall into a, like a typical or traditional bucket. Obviously, we have some sports uh, activities. We offer golf, tennis, and fitness, which are existing you know, manualized uh, curriculums that we have here at the foundation. We also have a kickball class. Um, the second kind of larger bucket that we offer is arts programs. So we, we offer chorus, we offer yoga, dance, music, as well as art. And uh, we also, I've had the pleasure of working with Merrick on some of our virtual clubs um, that we conduct over Zoom. One is a book club that meets weekly on Tuesdays and another is called Connections Club. Uh, which is, you know, more of a kind of catch-all social club. Uh, we discuss different topics, themes, depending on the week and uh, things like that. So uh, that currently is what we're offering. Um, I, you know, as Merrick mentioned, I, I have some experience doing some improv while I lived in Chicago after college. And uh, certainly while I've been getting my bearings and learning everything else that uh, is already so great at the foundation. That's been in the back of my mind. Maybe we could do some kind of uh, improv club down the road. Um, but uh, those are those are what we're offering right now. And it's a lot to sink my teeth into. So, Yeah, well, that's um, definitely a, a wide array of different activities. And that is... Um, truly a special part about the, the L Center that there's so, so many different opportunities for children uh, and adults to find that creative outlet. Um, so on, on that topic, so what are, what are some ways that sport training, 
specifically can be used as an opportunity to facilitate social and communication skills? Right. So I, I think that, um, you know, the sports and fitness based programs that we, you know, currently offer and hopefully can expand upon in the future, um, you know, the capacity for interaction is built into those activities, right? So, um, so often, you know, there, there needs to be other participants or players or peers, right? Um, whether you're playing golf or, or doing a sport like kickball um, where there's a back and forth or there's, there's other equipment and balls involved. Um, I think it's, you know, we're in beginning stages of, of conversing internally about our, our global recreation conference. That's going to be next year, uh, excuse me, global conference, the theme of which will be recreation. Um, and we, we want to begin to get people to see that, you know, while, sports and fitness-based activities have their inherent kind of physical and physiological benefits. Um, we really want to get people to begin seeing how they can kind of be buckets within other, th uh, where other therapies reside, right? So for example, on kickball days, we, we often have, you know, clients who come out who may be at the foundation for speech language uh, or OT or whatever it may be, and they will join us on the kickball field or join us at the tennis courts uh, and it, you know, with their therapists. And um, it's just a great way for them to, you know, engage in something physical, keep them healthy, but also be tackling the objectives and the other things that they want to develop skills. They want to build um, that they're working on in their therapies. Um, so I, I think it's, it's got this interaction built in already in addition to the benefits of physical and physiological things. Um, and it's also a great way to really be targeted about, you know, whether it's expressive language or specifically receptive language that someone's working on. Um, you know, you can have participants, for example, in golf, um, working on their expressive language and asking them, tell me what swing we're working on right now. You know, is this swing ankle to ankle or is this swing hip to hip? Um, you can assess their receptive language skills. You know, what, what did I just share with you? Can you repeat that back to me? So again, just uh, inherent in all these activities we offer on campus um, is the capacity for, inter for interaction and the capacity to duly approach both expressive and receptive language in a social context, so. Yeah, thank you. That's really well said. And that does seem to be a pretty unique component of the Game On programs is that within all the lessons which have targeting of specific skills for the respective sport, you also have uh, outlined lessons for targeted autism skills, whether it's communication or socialization. And, um, you know, uh, that <clears throat> from what I've seen, that, that seems to be really unique. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And yeah, definitely uh, another, another point could be that you mentioned that people might be transitioning over from doing a speech and language, uh, a lesson or, or being in school, learning academic skills and sports. They also provide the opportunity to uh, engage in some of those skills in a, a more free flowing and uh, potentially fun, 
fun manner. Um, it just gives a great break from the, the classroom environment. Right. And I, I heard something recently uh, that I actually, despite working in, you know, the field of special education for years and working with uh, people with autism previously, uh, Dr. Erin Brooker-Lozot, our program director at the center, I recently heard her use the phrase in conversation, you know, for many with autism, work is play and play is work. And uh, that was just, it was the first time I had heard that. And it, it really uh, captured, I think, what a lot of us see that, you know, these, these kind of open-ended or more nuanced activities that require social dynamics are such a challenge oftentimes, whereas the, the rigor and the focus and the routine and the repetition of a traditional work environment in terms of school and classrooms uh, is oftentimes more, comes more easily to, uh, you know, individuals with ASD, so. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, last but not least here, with summer coming to a close, could you please talk to us about some of the highlights from this year's summer camp? Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's funny that we we meet today, uh, guys, and you asked this question. We we literally just had a few hours ago our end of camp kind of wrap up celebration with our slideshow, and we handed out some certificates and superlatives for the campers. Um, so the camp that we offer is four weeks long, uh, typically in the month of July, and it is targeted to individuals who are ages six to twenty-one. Um, I. You know, this was my first experience running camp here at the foundation. Um, I know that in the year or two prior, there was not the opportunity to go on field trips, which are often a big piece of any kind of summer activity or summer camp program. So the first thing I would say is just the ability we had to, to go back out on field trips in the community. So we, uh, we had a weekly Tuesday trip to the bowling lanes locally. We had a regular uh, weekly Friday trip to the pool. Uh, we had a couple of outdoor site visits as well to a, a local preserve called the Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. Uh, we got to see some different animal exhibits and tour their, their trails and exhibits and uh, do a live animal show. And then lastly, this past Monday, we also were able to visit another outdoor site called the Hope Sound Nature Center. Um, again, you know, saw some, some live animal shows with different reptiles and um, some bird exhibits and things like that. So that's the first thing I, I think I would highlight just our ability and the success with which we were able to get out onto field trips to, to get those campers uh, engaged and seeing some things they, they might not otherwise have seen in previous years. And then um, lastly, just the, the multitude of things we were able to offer on-site as well. So uh, we have contractors and instructors that during the regular school year work with us through recreation in the afternoons and uh, a few of those individuals were able to offer music therapy for us a couple of days a week, yoga a couple of days a week. We had some coaches from the first tee of Palm Beaches run some golf classes. Um, and we had a, you know, a dedicated art teacher as well this year. So we had art twice a week at least. So uh, I was just really proud of the team and the staff for obviously their flexibility, their, their time and effort and, and the wide array of things we were able to offer campers this year. Well, it certainly sounds like a blast and yeah. great opportunities for, for all who are involved. And I appreciate your 
your answers to the questions. I'm definitely even more excited now about the opportunities being offered at the foundation. That's, that's really awesome. Thank you, Nate. Okay, so um, I'll uh, ask uh, my questions uh, next. Um, and it, it's also like Nate, like my co-host said, um, it, it does sound really, really exciting and thrilling to see what we will be doing in the future and what we have done in the present, or I guess in a way kind of the past too. Um, so speaking a little bit about the past, the recent past, and celebrating the British Open, we had an international golf, golf tournament in five countries, which was quite a major event for all of us. And that was called the four ball, right? Correct. Yes. So, so what were some of the highlights for the U.S. event? Right. So, uh, Merrick, you and I had the, the chance to work on this together a little bit in the beginning stages. Um, and thank you for your help and involvement with it as well. Um, so we had a running the week a couple of days prior to the beginning of this 150th British Open. Um, we had five sites in four different countries uh, or on four different continents, rather, participated in, as you said, the, the first annual Ernie Els Game on Golf International Tournament. So uh, a foursome from each site, the U.S. here in Jupiter, the U.K., Canada, South Africa, as well as Ireland, between the 11th of July and the 13th of July, each of those sites, uh, whether they're on their existing facilities or at a local course in the community, private or public, they were able to compete uh, with their peers also uh, internationally um, in a three-hole tournament. And so for us here in Jupiter, we were able to, you know, we had the advantage of, of utilizing our golf, golf facility, excuse me, out on the back of campus. Um, and we, we played a approximately 125 meter hole three, three different times through. Um, and I, I think the, the first highlight was, you know, we, these were individuals who participate typically in our rec programming, our golf classes during the school year. Um, and I, I knew that these particular in, individuals and participants would have a great time playing golf just because of the affinity I've seen that they have for golf. Um, but it was really nice to see them, to get a, a longer kind of chunk of time with them, right? Our classes typically are an hour. You know, we had the chance to spend a couple of hours together and their friends and family were there. And um, it was also just a great opportunity for them to, to be able to compete, right? You know, as much as our classes are uh, targeting skills, whether that's motor skills, behavioral skills, social communication skills, um, this was a nice chance for us to kind of work in this element of competition too, right? And, uh, and get to see them engage with that, um, with their peers rather in that kind of environment. So uh, it, overall, it was a really tremendous night and uh, I was very happy to be a part of it, so. Yeah, um, and in the early, and in the meetings that I've attended, it sounded uh, quite revolutionary to me, so. I was just really, really glad to be a part of it at the very beginning. And I'm just glad to hear that it really, really pulled through quite spectacularly. Um, so my second question is about um, 
The system of exporting our Ernie L's Game on Autism suite of programs around the world through our official program provider or OPP program. Can you explain what an OPP is and its importance? Yes. So as I, I referenced earlier, uh, we have three you know, manualized curriculums, golf, tennis, and now fitness recently, that, or for which we want to build out these official program provider networks. Um, and so golf has kind of had the, the most longevity to this point, and it's our, our most ro robust program. Um, basically, you know, communities, community centers around the country and even the world, uh, or specific local courses, private or public, um, individuals reach out to us expressing interest in teaching our um, trademark Journey L's Game On Golf curriculum. They then, uh, after contact with you, Merrick, you're an integral part of this process. Um, they create an account through the Ledbetter Academy and the training that we have online. They complete approximately, you know, an hour training. Um, we are then notified of their completion. They then have a 30 minute post-training call with me. Um, you know, I, I use this time to first just assess their experience. We always wanna be, you know, iterating and, and trying to improve it. Um, I always like to get feedback from them, positive or critical. Um, I then offer the chance for them to see some of the visuals and other resources that we have in our resource library. Um, you know, I, I kind of explain a little bit of how we utilize these resources and visuals at our site here in Jupiter, uh, what works best, what we think. But, you know, lastly, I just expressed to them that, you know, they, they certainly can make this what they want. Um, and we're here to support them on an ongoing basis. So the, the last thing after showing them the resource library and different visuals is I just kind of set out a plan for them as far as, you know, timeline, how long they need to get up and running. Uh, in the beginning of their implementation of the curriculum, what's the frequency with which they want to meet? You know, I have OPPs who early on want to touch base weekly with me. Others very quickly get comfortable with the program and we, you know, we check in biweekly or even just monthly. So, um, you know, if we want this program to grow and if we want to touch more lives uh, of individuals with autism and give them chances to be healthy and fit and engaged and, and learning a skill and an activity like golf. Um, and then even going out into their community to play that game of golf with friends, family, or other community members, you know, the OPPs are a vital part of that. And uh, I'm just, again, grateful and excited to be able to be here and help, you know, help this grow into the future. So. So um, <clears throat> there are uh, plenty of people who have, asked us about becoming an OPP and we've uh, basically, we've gotten them through the process and everything. Um, what would you say to someone who has hesitations of becoming an OPP? Sure. Um, I think uh, most critically first is just asking specifically, what are those hesitations? You know, what are, what are those concerns that you have? Is it kind of more logistical or operational? You know, do you not have a facility readily available to you? Are you lacking in equipment? Uh, is it more that you're nervous about 
you know, this maybe is your first time working with individuals with autism and you're, you're concerned about your ability to provide the best supports, right? I, I, I would dive into just what those concerns are initially uh, and ultimately simply try to communicate that, you know, we, we are a knowledge center and, and a team of experts in this field and we're here to support them. And again, that can be with, you know, a greater or less frequency depending on how their comfort level grows with the program. But uh, I think it's important just to initially he hear them, make them feel that their concerns are heard, let them share specifics, and then just be clear and concise about how we're going to address those moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, there's always this uh, need and want to learn new skills and the like, but learning this kind of new skill, it's not only does it make you maybe a little bit of a better uh, teacher and instructor, but it also allows you to, uh, to it's a multi-layered kind of uh, element to it. It's not just about being better as an instructor. It's also being better uh, as an empathizer, I guess is what one would say, if that's a word. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, it's, Definitely something that um, I think that anyone who has an interest in the process and an interest in becoming an OPP, they, they really should, um, you know, know how unique and how distinctive uh, this whole, like, uh, this whole training is compared to so many other things that a person can learn uh, because of the end results and the impact that something like that can have. Right. Agreed. So uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, having, for taking the time to being interviewed by us. Um, we are so thankful for you um, to be a part of, I guess, what one would call the Else for Autism team or family or however we may want to address this. And um, I think, you know, like I've thought about for a while, you bring a lot of promise to what we do as a, as a foundation. Uh, thank you very much, Merrick. I appreciate it. And uh, to both of you, Nate, nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful you guys had me on and I could share my experience thus far. And I'm our second guest uh, for the program is Mr. Adam Jones. Do you remember the movie Seabiscuit? Advisory board member Adam Jones certainly does. He was inspired by the movie to facilitate a career that involved the passion in horses which led him to graduate with honors from Meredith Manor in 2009 with a riding master's degree, which offers classes in all areas of horsemanship. Since then, he got involved with Madison Fields, where he has been working for over seven years, which is the farm division of the Madison House Autism Foundation in Dickerson, Maryland. At Madison Fields, Adam uses his skills as a barn attendant to help other individuals on the autism spectrum who delight in seeing someone like them being able to work so well with giant animals like horses. His advocacy for autism awareness for employing adults with autism and a belief that people like him deserve a fighting chance and a way to find their true sense of self-worth is masterful. 
It continues to grow in its own grinding career and aspires to show at the Washington International Horse Show. Welcome to the program, Adam Jones. Thank you very much, Merrick. Yeah, welcome, Adam. Thank you for joining us. We're really excited to have you on. Uh, it's, thank you very much. It's great to be here. All right. So I'm going to start off the questioning here. And first of all, we were wondering why, why are horses such a great support animal and why do you personally feel a connection with them? Well, I, I feel that they are very special, Nate, because there's just a sense about them that gives me a sense of purpose in life. Whenever I'm with, you know, the horses, whenever I go to work at the farm or, you know, I'm at a, uh, uh, an event, it allows me to become, you know, more involved in the community to really, you know, I feel more alive and uh, active whenever I am with them. And ever since I got involved with them starting in 2004, it has just changed my life for the better. Well, it's pretty amazing. Um, they are, they do certainly radiate a good sense of energy. I, I can't, I can't say I've been around them anywhere close to the amount of time you have, but in the couple interactions I've had, I, I can see what you mean. I kind of feel that too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with me having a lot of, you know, anxiety, sometimes they, they're kind of like a medicine to me. I, I call horses a medicine because whenever I am with them or working with them, riding them or whatever it is, I just feel a sense of calmness that comes into me every time that I'm around them. It's just, it, it's hard to describe, but it's just so magical that it just, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to, you know, uh, to be without them. Yeah, they're, I almost think like, they're almost like family. That's so cool. And I think you said it really well that you just feel a greater sense of purpose when you're with them or, or more connected. And on the topic of, of therapy, where, so where in South Florida or in general, could someone have the opportunity to, to experience equine therapy? Well, um, my suggestion is, you know, look for where, you know, which stables have equine therapy programs, because, you know, those, that's kind of like step number one, when you find a stable that, you know, can provide an equine assistant therapy program, that's the first step in being able to helping you get the, um, uh, the connection with you know the animal and then you do what you do after that is you start taking rides or set up lessons and then you start building that relationship and when you build a relationship with a horse or any animal it can actually help you to improve a relationship with anyone in particular and i think this is so what makes them so beneficial um, why they have helped me is you know i've been able to be more involved with uh, people, be able to hang out more, in improve in terms of communication and social interaction. And that's 
what can um, one of the things that horses can help a person do in terms of equine assisted therapy. They can become more involved in their community and be able to communicate better, I think. Yeah, that's um, really well said and, and interesting to hear your perspective on. So last but not least here, what are you currently working on and what are some of your goals for the autism community in general? Well, what I'm working on is trying to be able, as Merrick said, to reach the Washington International, because that's obviously a show that I have been seeing ever since my equine career got started. Um, but I'm also trying to enjoy life at the same time, trying to, you know, manage my life, watch, you know, everything else that I do. So that way I can be able to pursue my goals and achieve them safely. But also in terms of a message for the autism community, I'm also trying to, you know, help them out and give them a more positive outlook on life through the equine therapy program that I help uh, out every single day. And, you know, make their life a little bit brighter. That's what I'm trying to do for them. Absolutely. That's a terrific mission. And also, uh, I know we all appreciate your honesty as far as, you know, speaking about some of your experiences. And it's true that, you know, it's hard to help other people unless, you know, you're in a good, feeling good mentally and, and able to give your time and energy. So that's, that's really important as well for us all to, you know, manage our, our own mental health and uh, continue to, to work on the uh, strategies that help achieve that. So. Yes, uh, I think that it's very important, Nate, because by, by doing that, I think that common interest is a major role uh, for the autism community. When pe people, you know, are not doing what they like, I think that they can become more depressed and more down in the dumps. And when you have somebody that's on the autism spectrum, that can, you know, lead to a lot of problems. But I think when it is something that they like, then your chances for success are greater and they're, um, the opportunities for them uh, increase dramatically, you know, they can be able to, you know, do what they're best at and contribute the most to uh, the community uh, if they're doing what they love. And for me, it's horses. That's just the, uh, the bottom line. And it really, it seems to make uh, a, a real impact, not just for, you know, that individual, but for, you know, the entire community when they are really interested in what they're doing and, you know, that makes them, you know, more involved and the chances for success go up. Definitely. And when you love your work, it doesn't really feel much like work anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It feels more like play and you're, you, you're able to live life more to the fullest then. Well, very cool. Thank you, Adam. I'm going <laughs> to pass it over to my co-host here for his questions. Oh, so excuse me, Adam, I'm going to yeah. ask you one more here. My mistake. Almost forgot the best part. So um, backtracking a little bit while working at Madison Fields, what are some of the important things you have learned about 
what makes an equine therapy program effective? Well, I think from my experience at Madison Fields, um, I have learned and witnessed just how uh, brighter people's lives uh, have become, how more alive they become, how more happy they are, and um, how, you know, whenever I see the parents, you know, come in of like, you know, an, an autistic or, you know, a disabled child uh, who may have, you know, a mental problem or a physical problem, the uh, seeing the smile on uh, the kids' faces, you know, when they're, you know, riding around the indoor, say, you know, uh, whenever I'm out there, I'm working and then seeing the parents, you know, uh, smile in return from, you know, all the therapy that uh, the kid is getting from enjoying the ride and interacting with the horses and the animals and so forth. It's, uh, that's what really, what makes it so special and uh, enjoying to see, you know, the friendly atmosphere in that barn every single day uh, really makes it worthwhile. Okay, well, yeah, some great advice there. You just heard from Adam. For any uh, barns that are aspiring to engage in equine therapy, definitely some helpful tips there. Uh, the passion has to be there, certainly a fun environment, and uh, probably just a love for what you're doing. Absolutely. So now I'll hand it over to Merrick. What I didn't mention in the intro was that in 2018, you, Adam, were the recipient of our Autism Spectrum Award, which is given to the individual who most represents the best characteristics of the autism community through great character, uh, great um, accomplishments, um, and, and great uh, virtue. And so the question I would like to ask you is, how did winning the Autism Spectrum Award in 2018 make you feel? Well, it made me feel proud and uh, felt like, you know, a major accomplishment from what I am doing uh, in the equine industry. And it really made my future brighter, gave me a sense of purpose and told me, you know, Adam, you should probably keep doing what you're doing because, if, you know, it can produce this. Who knows what might happen in the future? So it really has given me uh, a sense of purpose and a brighter outlook on life and the future ahead. That's what it's done. So in what ways has the uh, Autism Spectrum Award influenced your life? Well, it has influenced my life, Merrick, in <clears throat> really committing myself to doing what I love to do every day and trying to be an example for others in the autism community to, you know, have a more positive outlook on life, to not let um, their uh, weakness get them so down. Because as, you know, people say, some things aren't as bad as you might think. And I think that's true in terms of autism because it varies. It really 
isn't as bad as it may sound at first. You know, when I was, you know, just a little kid, when I first found out that I was, you know, on the spectrum, I felt like I was, you know, way down uh, at the bottom of society, you know, way down there. But as time has gone by and I have found my uh, common interests and have been able to do them every single day, I have realized, you know what, Adam, it's life really isn't that bad with uh, how you are. It's not as bad as you may seem. And there's always hope. And I'm trying to pass that on that message on to other people that come, you know, through the barn where I work um, and tell them the same thing. And that having that award, you know, has really impacted and boosted my drive to passing that message on to others. Yep. Um, it's certainly a good way to look at it is the way that I sort of looked at it when I first heard about my diagnosis is that it's not about what you can't do, but it's about what you can do. Absolutely. So why do you believe individuals with disabilities, especially autism should be recognized in this way? <laughs> Because everybody counts, Merrick. Everybody counts in this world. Every, everybody has a sense of purpose. Every one of us is born here for one very special purpose. And we are all part of, a, of this huge family here on earth. And that sometimes I like to say, Merrick, that even the most unlikeliest person can end up making the biggest difference. And, you know, I think that autism and any type of disability should not slow anybody down. And, you know, they can, you know, be able to achieve things that some people would, others would probably think that they wouldn't be able to do because of their disability. But, you know, I think that disabilities you know, don't slow people down. It actually makes them more able to do things, makes them more motivated. It's just being able to have the right atmosphere and the right people beside them to encourage them to, you know, go that way. And, and if they have that, then anything's possible. Everybody counts. That's, that's why I think, you know, people on the autism spectrum or any, any type of disability have to be recognized. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, we are, uh, for right now, it's uh, July the 28th, and we're still accepting nominations for the Autism Spectrum Award for 2022. And so whoever ends up winning gets to join the ranks of uh, the magnificent Adam Jones here who is our special guest today, one of our special guests today. And uh, as you can hear from the interview we're have, we've had with him, because that was my last question, um, definitely a great person to, uh, to think about when thinking about uh, any terms like autism. So thank yeah. you so much, Adam, for taking your time to... Uh, um, be in this interview with the two of us thank you very much it was it was a pleasure to be able to be with the two of you for this interview and you know to answer your questions
Adam, thank you again. And I, I just want to say I really appreciate your message about, you know, uh, achievements coming from, from any person, uh, the potential for that to take place, uh, regardless of their, you know, socioeconomic background, regardless of their, um, you know, neurological traits, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's a, a really welcomed message. Thank you very much, Nate. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> a pleasant farewell to you, Adam Jones. Thank you very much, Merrick, and a pleasant farewell to you and to Nate as well. Take, take care. Thank you, Adam. Absolutely. You too take care as well. Thank you so much. could fly so high, oh like a butterfly, I fly into the air so high, oh like a butterfly, a moth is a butterfly without any colors, but what's beautiful is what's inside, maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide, well I'm just a caterpillar crawling around, Knowledge in my head, but my feet on the ground. Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky, like a butterfly. I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. Like a bird, I was meant to soar. I will fly through the sunlight and even when it pours You can't stop me when I get a hold of the wind In the future your eyes will light up To think that I was once a poor caterpillar Will grow up and take to the sky Like a flock of butterflies I wish I could fly so high Oh, like a butterfly I'll fly into the air Ah uh -huh.